game boys. Uh, folks, Documania. We love to have a document. I, I, there's nothing I love. I, I need to get more documents because everyone's storing and hiding documents and it seems like they're having a blast. Yeah, so we've got another uh, another person has gotten sick with Documania, the fever that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> it is. You're right. It's more virulent than uh, than COVID-19. And yes, there will be FDA mandated boosters for it. Uh, yeah, Mike Pence's house just got, I guess, investigated and they found classified documents at Mike Pence's house. At this point, is it even a crime if this many people do something, right? That's not really how you decide what is is not a crime. <laughs> I mean, but, if enough people do something, then it's like uh, it's socially acceptable, right? It's a norm at that point. Yeah, it is becoming a norm. This one's, I think, maybe the funniest of all to me because like Trump taking documents to be like, I've got fancy documents at my Mar-a-Lago estate is like very on brand. Mm-hmm. And like Biden kind of wandering off with some documents and forgetting about them is like very on brand. Totally. But like, I don't really get Pence having like nothing about Pence as to having documents to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I thought he was on my side. I thought he was post reading. I yeah, thought he. he- I thought he was like he, drink milk with mother and like Yeah, he wanted to go back to a simpler time where there was no reading. At least that's what, what I inferred from his time. Yeah, I think more distressing than the violation of classification laws is that like it's broken my illusion of Mike Pence as a noble non-reader. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where do we go from here? Uh, he probably has like a Kindle or something and he's just flipping through classifieds. He's probably reading manga and it's, you know, that's what I imagine. It would be so sick if they like found a bunch of classifieds and then also like every issue of Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> you or, remember, like, uh, or just Boruto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like just Boruto and like just like the brief run of like Dragon Ball GT manga. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just that's the stuff that was based on the show. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. I mean, at this point, there's so many classified documents that, you know, we should be concerned that we're next. Yeah. Do you think we like uh, do you think one of us like has a file that we just like pick somewhere and like, put in a folder and it's like, uh oh. So I moved recently. I don't even have a, a file at all all my papers are in a pile on the floor down here and i mean you know the most of it's like uh taxes and and old bills i haven't paid but you know there could be some classifieds in there yeah i mean i got a lot i have a lot i have a lot of unopened mail what we know is it's not a crime that's anymore so we're in the clear I, i i will have to say though that like out of all this stuff trump is so lucky like (laughs) <laughs> the fact that like he was gonna maybe get indicted for this stuff and then like biden d- just like went on like a nine week long spree of of document leaks it's just like you it's it's almost impossible for trump to get in trouble now it's amazing and, and i'm sorry but that is how it works if enough people do it if enough like powerful people that 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 society has invested in do the thing then they just sort of off to be like well i guess it's okay now because we could like even the people we don't like did the thing the people we do like did the thing and they can't get in trouble yeah it's just like sorry like uh that's that's where it is now so yeah that was folks that was documania that was um and this has been npr yes um speaking of npr um this feels like a good npr story which is to say yeah. okay should we bring it about, should, should we bring it down lower yeah so it's like Dun, dun, like America dun, used dun, to dun. have a bunch of spokes candies. Bum, 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 we used bum, to have bum. an M&M for every season. A red M&M who was mean, a yellow M&M who was dumb, a green M&M who was hot, mm-hmm. an orange M&M who was there. And to some, every single one of them was hot in their own way. It's true. And um, suddenly, with the emergence of purple M&M who's Mm-hmm. like a lady but large and some people thought was trans she's been threatening bathrooms bathroom culture yes some say she threatens bathroom culture suddenly those spokes candies are out of a job and maya rudolph is it yep maya rudolph the most anti-trans fix you know they, they needed someone who was clearly on the opposite side of this of this war they should have gotten jk yeah i mean that's part of okay so first off let's start this whole story is bullshit it's a super bowl ad setup it's a gimmick it's a work yeah wait wait, hold on but 
Is that what you and me said? I haven't heard that said anywhere else, and I've only heard people falling for this for this M M&M and M ad where they say they're taking the M M&M and M candies away. And it's like, are people do people really believe they're taking the candies away? I don't think anyone thinks they're taking the candies away. I think they're taking rid of the spokes candies, but no one. I I know. We're leaving the mascots, and now the bags are empty. (laughs) They sell you a a brown bag that says M and M's. You can put all kinds of stuff in their quarters. It's a it's a trans M and M that's stretching its butthole, and there's no candy inside. (laughs) But um, no, I mean on, on. my my chunk of Twitter, uh, there's a decent number of people who are who are in. Actually, it's very funny. It's mostly wrestling fan like people, like people who are broader cultural theorists who also like like wrestling that I know. Okay, who are like this is they, so clearly a work. They lie for the living. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, everyone was kind of just taking the bait on this. It does seem like they are going to, you know, they're going to come out as even more trans the Super Bowl, and I think that. That's pretty. It's pretty obvious. It just feels like if they really were trying to placate a bunch of angry people, they wouldn't have made a black lady the spokesperson because these people are notoriously not super stoked on black ladies, sort of as a class. No, but that's but they're not appealing to them. This is all a troll. Right, this because, is this right, is a, that's what I mean. Is that's why yeah. that's like a, that's a giveaway to me that this yeah, is a troll. Right. Dead giveaway. Yeah. yeah, like if they if they were serious about this, they would have gotten like J.K. Rowling. <laughs> they should. Yeah. Well, they should have gotten uh, the the they should have gotten Jim Brewer. It, or someone like that. They're like, Ram&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, he walks out halftime stage and is just decimated by a sniper 50 cow. <laughs> and, and we see the glint and it's the purple M&M. And she says, hit it boys. And yeah, then, right. you know, and the does other the, M&Ms all come out and do a little dance the, over his corpse. Does the Lady Gaga jump dive? Yeah, everything. Yeah, um, yeah I think, uh, I don't know. I, it, to me, this one, I don't know. It's it, it's funny to see Tucker say the things he does. Uh, it hasn't affected Eminem sales at all. Yeah. I, I'm just, I think the big story here is just that enough people like aren't, people lose their ability. Like people like have certain waves where they're like, everything's a trick. And then they just like lose that and they fall for a trick again. Yeah, it's it's been and this actually has been like emblematic of that on multiple levels, because you'll see like a bunch of people buying that this is real and then people doing bits about how it's real, but no one gives a shit who cares and then doing jokes about that and then people getting mad and being like, oh, you're that worked up about a candy. <laughs> and it's like so there's all these layers of which people are like credulous and not engaging with like the obvious truth. When it is clearly just a baby nut situation all over again without the one redeeming trait of baby nut, which is that a bunch of people mm-hmm. had to say baby nut on television a bunch of times. Yeah, that was uh, – now that was football. Yeah, exactly. That was football. Um, what happened with the baby nut? It was uh, – So like a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl, um, Mr. Peanut died in an ad, like fell off a cliff. Oh right, and right, then right, at the right. Super Bowl they did an ad that was the funeral, and then Super Baby Bowl was Nut like, was born. Super Bowl is basically the the new April Fools. There's a second April Fools, and it happens on Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean it's just that you know I think there's been this thing where Super Bowl ads don't quite have. I mean, and ads, ads and TV ads in general don't quite have the pull and force that they once did um as like a you know effective advertising tool because there's internet ads that are like so much easier to get people to act on right like you see this with people like putting qr codes in their tv ads because they're like well people will forget about the ad but they scan the code they'll buy the thing right now so i'm going to make them point their phone at their television and try and scan the code. wait have you seen a tv show with a qr code oh hell, fucking nfl every fucking nfl broadcast okay dude. like that like sports shit yeah yeah sports sometimes, are, sometimes they're even in commercials that air and stuff I, I actually haven't seen that yet, and I actually do miss commercials in a way. I'm looking to get back into them because, um, you know, I only see like Twitch ads. I mean, I don't see any ads on YouTube because I, I pay to not see them. But, you know, then I just see the Twitch ads and those are like really bottom of the barrel. I want to see a good car commercial again, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're out there. Um, yeah. They're, but they are like less effective than they once were. So I think there's this thing that's happening. Baby Nut was maybe like sort of emblematic at the start of this, which is like, the Super Bowl ad process starting further away from the Super Bowl every year where it's like, this is where like they set them up like this, this big culture war Eminem thing is like a setup to do a Super Bowl ad that people will react to or baby nut or 
um, all of the short Matt Damon Bitcoin ads coming together for the big Matt Damon Bitcoin ad at the Super Bowl last year, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Like, I think that's all. Matt Damon should be imprisoned on Mars uh, for that one, yeah, which I, I mean, guess he, he already did once and I was got out. Say, he could just get back. He's done it already. Yeah, but he deserves to to suck to. He deserves the trial. Yeah, but I think he likes it up there. I think yeah. he likes being on Mars and having to plant one potato. Yeah. Well, what's the proper? That's the thing. How do you how do you punish a devil? Yeah, it's a you've we he has to go to um like heaven. We'd like send him to like a spa. Yeah, we have to send him to a um a prism of blinding light wherever that is. We'll work on that. But yeah, I, it's I just think the Super Bowl is becoming this weird thing where like it's no longer the guaranteed viral ad generator that it was like ten years ago. And so now people are trying to build a longer narrative. Yeah. To put a little more tail on it and a little more leg, like a little more leg on it. So that when it pops up, it's already primed to become a viral ad and people are going to seek it out. They want answers. Right. Cause now like imagine, you know, you can, you can, it's so easy to imagine, right? Like there's a bunch of people who are like, I can't believe the Eminem spoke candies are gone. It's Maya Rudolph. And then we're going to get an ad where it's like Maya Rudolph talking about how great Eminem's are. And I'm seeing outside. We're like, yeah, I'm seeing just a bunch of unemployed. I'm just seeing like a bunch of like 100k Twitter account like leftists be like, "Wow, Eminem really took the bait with this one." Just like fully, just like, oh, they fucking are just out there, face planting, and it's just like, holy shit, your guys's whole job is media analysis, and you are just like another fucking little zombie. It's so crazy. I don't know. Like, no, it I, is. I, it's it's hard to to like like any of these people or or want any of them to succeed when they're just like so blatantly foolish it's true and it's truly wild that um how do you take any of these people seriously right well that's the thing is it's it's truly nuts that like there's such a a degree of like it's like everyone's either 100% credulous or 100% incredulous and no one can sort of navigate this idea that like some things are a kind of lie yeah. <laughs> like that's what this is, right? Like, this is a kind of lie. Like, they'll probably put out a couple of Maya Rudolph ads between now and the Super Bowl, and they'll do a big Super Bowl one where, like, she's on a big stage talking, and we cut to outside, and, like, all the M&Ms are outside protesting because they're unemployed, or, like, they rush the stage or something, and then, like, they're back, and it's, like, a big fucking I think they ad should, event. I think they also, they should, they should like, bring back the, the Santa Claus ad, the famous one, you know? But this time, Santa Claus, he's walking into a bathroom, and the, and the purple M&M's in there, and he says, they're real? And then the purple M&M says, they're real? And they both fall over. And then we say, listen, it's not that complicated, okay? Just go to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. It's, That's my pitch. It's that simple. Um, it's that simple. It's just, I... I really don't get how people are looking at this and seeing anything other than uh, this is the obvious, like this is obviously what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, that's that's that. Yeah, that's the state of the world, man. That's the state of the world. It's weird times. That's why we're creating something new. We're creating a new candy that that everyone understands. Yes. Um, And look, here's the thing. if you're going to start rhyming, just kill me now. Segway. <laughs> what do you think about that Forspoken stuff? The Forspoken uh, that came out. Um, freaking pre-ordered. Freaking. T- I, I I saw that clip. I saw that ep- epic ass clip. And I said, uh, Siri, set my PS5 internal clock time to New Zealand. We're playing this early. <laughs> yeah, I think you and uh, you and everyone else. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. For, so for those of you who haven't been following, uh, for, for Spoken is like this kind of action RPG Square Enix game that mm-hmm. has, has been accused all, of being like Joss Whedon-esque in all the, but like Deadpool, Joss Whedon, um, yeah, that happened shit. Yeah, and it's, it's frustrating because it seems like just looking at the trailer, like it does seem like it has a decent amount going for it. Like the action looks kind of fun. The designs aren't bad. It's colorful and big and bright and like exciting. But then the trailer had some dialogue that was just like devastatingly Whedon-y. Um, and it's this interesting thing where like uh, Austin Walker at a Craftwork Worlds wrote a really, or Clockwork Worlds rather, wrote a really good thing about how like the problem with that kind of writing, especially in video games, is that it basically indicates that like it's time to not take the situation seriously. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the big fun thing about video games is that you trick yourself into taking these situations very seriously. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's exciting about like God of War is like Atreus, like, you know, the kid is not my son in real life, but like in the game, like Atreus he's, like matters to he's you. my shit son. Yeah. Yeah. He's my dirtbag idiot son, but I have to protect him. <laughs> he's my foolish boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I definitely think it can like definitely this sort of uh faux intellectual irony a take of the world kind of like uh shields your heart from experiencing true feelings because you are distancing yourself from the work i think that the clearest case is between like our current state of marvel movies and then like avatar 2 because Avatar yeah. 2 is the exact opposite in that it's just earnest and that like even if you find moments of it to be too simple or, or, or basic or seen it before um, or cheesy, it's because you haven't experienced something incredibly earnest um, at this scale in a really long time. Um, so yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's probably just as like, what's weird is with this Forspoken thing, you gotta you gotta at least throw out there in this conversation that a little bit more of this con- story is juiced because it's like a light skinned black woman protagonist, yeah. and that like that is going to like naturally make it like maybe ten to twenty percent of a more reactionary reaction to it. But like at the end of the day, it seems like kind of a bland open world game with this like annoying ass fucking dialogue, and it reminds me a lot of like Marvel's Midnight Suns, where I'm like. It seems like over and over again, a lot of there's like people making like the 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 gameplay really good. And then there's this narrative team that just like lathers shit all over it. And and that's unfortunate to see. Yeah, exactly. It's um it's such a strange thing because the game itself is or like the game itself, like again, like yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like there's this desire to so even Midnight Suns actually, I think, kind of avoids this trap a little bit, because at least in Midnight Suns, you can tell the characters like give a shit. And maybe that's true in Forspoken, too, when you like play it and get further in. But like the trailer is so uninspiring. So I was like, honestly, kind of 50 50 on the game and kind of still am just because like now people are mad about it, which makes me wonder if like I get to play it and be like, actually, you're all ding dong. It just it reeks of like discount price like a month and a half from now. Like, yeah, it, like exactly. Like if I paid seven dollars now and it's like thirty five, like a month and a half from now, like yeah. Yeah. And I have too many games to play, so I'm not going to get it until like it goes down to price. But I am curious about it um, because it has so many. It has so many interesting, uh, like visual things. And like, even there's like, I watched the Japanese trailer for it in the Austin Walker article that I, that I mentioned earlier, he tags the Japanese trailer and it's so good. <laughs> like it makes you want to play the game so bad. Everything's right. fucking mega over the top. There's like absolutely zero snark. All the monsters look fucking crazy and terrifying. Like there's all these crazy cool fights and like bright light animation stuff. And it's like, that game like a game that presents itself that way and carries that mode through it like i'm in Uh um like a good you know um and it's not like this is exclusive being funny like forrest and i've been playing shining force on on the stream and like shining force is very funny but it's not funny at its own expense like characters aren't like oh so i guess you're just some kind of huge knight with one eye that's original like no one's doing that bit. The jokes are like, like there's a part in the game where you meet a wizard who's like, do you want to see me summon an evil monster? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then he casts a spell and his wife pops up and he's like, look, the most horrible monster on earth. And she's like, God damn it. Stop doing this bit. And then just leaves. <laughs> um, and like, yeah. that's like a real joke as opposed to just being like, isn't it dumb that we all think swords are cool? Um, and like you can so you can get away with all that shit and the game is still fun and, and impactful but it just like super sucks when like a game or movie dialogue like it's like when game or movie dialogue is like ashamed of the thing that it is it just like makes the whole experience suck ass because you're like no i want to like and feel good about liking this game actually so i don't think that they view it as being ashamed and i don't think that's like maybe where it comes from inherently essentially all this stuff comes in waves like the first round of superhero mess was like we want you to take 
Batman really seriously, like in the, in the modern era. We wanted you to take Spider-Man more seriously. And then Guardians of the Galaxy came out and was like, isn't this all kind of a little silly? Like, and was a huge like breath of fresh air amidst, amidst all the seriousness. And then that just got like meted out for way too long. And I think everyone feels it, but people like, like the next tone, the next tone and trendsetter that hasn't fully arrived yet either. I think the pandemic might have actually like prolonged that from happening. Um, and we're not really sure what it is. It can't be Avatar because there's only one James Cameron. Um, but yeah, I think that we're like on the precipice of like a new tone, a new a new trendsetter that then obviously gets meted out and copied over the next decade. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably correct. Like, I think we're going to see for sure a lot more. Um, I think we're going to see for sure over time a lot more sort of shows that or movies and shows that that sort of not just tap into a more earnest thing, but like start to lean more into the escapism. Like I think a big thing with the weed any tone is that it keeps things like quote unquote grounded by reminding you that you're like at a Starbucks. A <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like watching a fantastical thing at a Starbucks on your iPad or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's like obvious, like to me, I mean, I've said that's a mistake for a long time and I, I believe that to be true. But like, I think that that's like the thing we're turning towards. Like if you're, if you have a game that looks as good as Forspoken does visually and seems like it plays pretty clean and people are pissed off about the idea of buying it because the dialogue is so annoying, mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to start to indicate that like maybe stop making such annoying dialogue becomes like a market trend because like it's going to cost people money. Right. And as we've often discussed, that's the main thing that happens. Yeah. Um, so... What, what time are we at? Do we have time to do one more one more topic? We can do one more topic for the ad, yeah. Okay. Well, should we, uh, maybe hmm, Last of Us, or should we save it for after? Uh, uh, we can do Last of Us. Yeah, let's do Last of Us. Uh, did you watch episode two? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, very. <laughs> I'll say two two words, or maybe three. Very video game. <laughs> um, I've never seen an episode just like make you feel like you're like just crawling through the level for like a long time uh it was really interesting in that way i don't know if it was good but it was the first time where i was like yeah i feel like they're just like crawling through areas and navigating crevices yeah it does i mean and it i kind of liked it i thought it looked good um but it did have a couple it just like it did feel it it's this weird thing where like people are lauding it for being as much like the video game as possible and i think to some degree that's fair yeah it's um, insanely it's insanely like the video game in certain ways in like yeah. production design ways it's like pretty impressive and like they're restaging complete shots and stuff that's yeah it's wild but it's like it's a weird thing where it's like that doesn't make it good yet i'm in, i'm enjoying it yeah i'm enjoying seeing it but I also know that that's not making my TV show better. So it's this weird thing. It's this weird feeling for me. Yeah, that's that's like sort of where I'm at with it as well. Um, I think that it's uh, I think that it sort of has this built in problem where the it's so like the video game. And I, I think it's different for people who haven't played the game. I think you haven't played the game. It probably doesn't matter. Um, I think yeah, I'm talking to yeah, yeah. I'm talking to my uh, someone I work with. Uh, they haven't played the game, but they're loving the show. They love Petro Pascal, and you know it is the perfect time for all the Walking Dead losers to find the next thing. Rude but true. Um, <laughs> they're bad people. Let's 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 round them up. Let's be honest. They're bad people. Um, I don't know why, but Twitter, everyone's complaining Twitter's gotten worse. My Twitter is just people retweeting memories from The Walking Dead. I don't know why. I don't know. the what, what Did this show end? It was over, I thought. I feel yeah, like it's, I mean, all, it's I think always it's almost over. over. It's over? I think so. God, I hope so. Jesus Christ. 
Um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Um, Last I, of Us. I how it's very, very similar yeah. to the show. We're talking about how it's very, very similar to the show. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to yeah. say is that, like, it it is very similar to the game, but it's weird, right? Because, like, in the game, in order for the show to work as a show, people have to play the game like someone who's bad at the game. <laughs> oh, what? Like, <laughs> like the like la- like the last episode. Oh, they're like running around all scared. There's like trying. They're like trying to do stealth, and they like immediately blow their cover and have to fight a bunch yeah. of zombies and shit. Like, it's this weird thing where, in order to make this show work as a show, they kind of have to play it like they're bad at the game in this way that kind of like yes takes out some of the sauce of what made the game good i actually completely agree with that note like joel and tess in the original game like they do this all the time they're smugglers like they know a decent amount about this stuff um and we see that in some glimpses but yeah like in the second episode when they're like in action like they're like very bad at what they do and and worse than they were in the game yeah no exactly they they don't come across as um as particularly effective people at this shit because like what you would want to see is like i mean maybe they're just like oh we're gonna do this over progression or whatever but it doesn't make any sense because joel's lived decades in the zombie world already but like you want to see joel crouch grab a bottle throw it use like noise distractions shiv one of them and then like maybe something fucks up then but yeah it was a little too incompetent um but that's that's like whatever like they want to they really wanted to do this like zombie scare scene um and i will say it it was cool that they like they did rebuild this like monument room from the game and and it really did feel like the game in, in in that room um but yeah a version of the game where you're really bad at it <laughs> uh that, that's interesting um yeah i found that not only to follow that thread a little bit like not only were they bad at fighting zombies but this was the first uh i mean episode where they they really altered something and made a character i felt like weak um, and that was like Teth's um, death at the end of the episode. Um, in the original game, Tess uh, dies because she says that Joel and uh, Ellie need to go on ahead and she's going to get into this shootout with the fascist police. And it's like a going down guns blazing kind of thing. In the TV show, they're running from a pack of zombies and she like is going to torch the whole building. And as the zombies come in, she like, can't get her lighter to work and then is like mouth invaded by a zombie and like crying and then like the lighter works and they all blow up it's just like it's the same moment but a lot weaker i felt yeah i mean it's yeah it's absolutely it's it well, and that doesn't i think that goes hand in hand like you're saying like the tension of the game and the act of playing the game makes what test does so much more meaningful um and like you get the sense that she rocks at this, and you also get the sense that like whether or not you get the sense that Joel rocks at this is covered contingent on how good of the game you are. But she's a fucking NPC, and so she's able to whip ass at all the stuff without being mitigated by like me being shitty at shooting games. And so like the fact that the show kind of undercuts her like general sense of effectiveness kind of sucks because I think a big part of what makes the game fun is like is like honestly in to like to compare to Forspoken in that kind of genre it's not a bunch of like it's people who are overmatched but not because they're incompetent but because the world is like impossibly difficult um and so when they do when they fail for reasons that are sort of self-inflicted or like don't have the appropriate gravitas it does really kill that vibe and that vibe is a big part of why it works yeah i think ultimately a really big problem with the show is that the last of us one as a story is about an hour 45 to two hours of like a movie it's definitely not like a full tv show because like i see what they're doing they're being like oh well like all the notes that you pick up and all the extra stories that like are, are kind of that are secondary and additional like we're gonna flesh those out more and i'm like that only works when the pacing of of your a plot is still good and all that stuff is just going to grind to a halt the very very simple a plot that you have going here that is not enough to keep the story juiced 
Last of Us Part Two, way bigger, way more characters. A lot of moments almost went too fast. Now that could be expanded out. That feels more like a TV show. But I think they're going to keep struggling with like, quote unquote, building out this world. But it's like not that. It's very basic. How do they Um, keep that going? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there is a lot. Like the thing is that like, that structure of show you can always do an episode that is where at point a we have to get to point b and there's a bunch of zombies in between um and you can always do that structure of episode and like add a couple of emotional beats in the middle and it'll be yeah but it's just a it's just a lesser show then it's just for sure for sure i mean at that point just doing the walking dead right yeah but but like you can always do that and so they can kind of pad it out that way and sort of Mm -hmm. like build gaps between the big moments Mm -hmm. um i do think last of us two sort of obviously like Last of Us 2 is so good because you get slices of each character's story that implies a lot more story. So there's just so much space to play in for that. Right. Um, Bigger so ensemble. Think, like, yeah. Yeah. So I think the idea, um, uh, like, I think the idea that they're getting, like, the idea that they, I think this is a sustainable show, even if the beginning is going to have some ups and downs. But, like, I just I do feel like the fidelity to the game it's weird because a lot of people online have been like the problem is we've had a lot of things that don't adapt a video game but make a bad movie and just slap a video game IP on top of it which is true for sure um the last of us is like the first game that was more of a movie than a game so I don't I also don't get why like I don't see what benefits a movie to be more like a video game or benefits a TV show to be more like a video game. Like, I think they're better if they're more like TV shows. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, video games certainly need to be written more like TV shows, but unfortunately are written like movies. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the TV show being written towards being a video game, it hasn't fucked, like, it hasn't really fucked with this shit yet, but I, like, think it's reasonable to expect that it might in the future. Um, For sure. The, the other thing I'll say uh, to kind of dovetail all this is, these opening sequences that are not from the games that are like before the pandemic are terrible. And they're like so clearly the Craig Mazin, like Chernobyl, like tacked on moments, like, cause it's like full Chernobyl. Like the first one is in this like talk show where, and the second one is like this, like this, like lady doctor discovering like one of the infections. And each time it's, just the most dramatically uninteresting scene where like someone like is just like the world is about to end and it's going to be terrible and it's just like it really doesn't add a ton and they're really poorly written yeah i mean it is it is very frustrating in that particular way. Like the the second the, in the second episode, this lady, she's a lady doctor scientist. She discovers one person with this disease, and then her next answer is to bomb all the cities. It's like, hold on, that's like something that you do like six months from now when it's out of control. Like you are a doctor. Like what is going on? It is very uh, Warhammery in that way, in the sense of like, there's one small problem. We have to destroy the entire planet. <laughs> yeah. I just like, and like, I guess technically she was right. But there's no way that she could have known like, like, Oh, we actually need to like kill a million people right now. It just did. It just didn't make sense. And it's very clear. Like, it just feels like scenes from Chernobyl, like just locked on. Um, I mean, that is who it is, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's, I think Pedro's got a lot of sauce. Um, I'm fine with Ellie. Like she's doing her best. Her performance is good. Yeah. It's she's doing her best. Um, But uh, yeah, well, I I think what's my interesting thing at this point is like, I know that maybe I'm not going to really love this show and think it's something that's like super good, but I am really curious to see what like normal people, like if they still feel invested through it, like, will they care? Will they be shocked at the thing that happens at the end? Like, will we even get there in this first season? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like you have to, right? I don't see how that stretches over two seasons. Yeah. We'll have to see. Um, But yeah. Okay. Uh, Should we do an ad? I think we should do an ad. What do you what do you want to do an ad for? God, back right, to the show. show. Um, <laughs> should we talk about what you what we've been gaming on? How we've been <sighs> gaming? What our gaming life has been like lately? Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, on my side, it's been pretty. It's been pretty short. Um. And and just more. You know, I started Breath of the Wild. 
um, b- because I got just really burnt out on Midnight Suns. I kept telling myself I love this combat, I love these card systems, but it was just getting too painful. I was like thirty-five or forty hours in, but I just, I just, I, I dropped it. I'm done. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I I reinstalled Breath of the Wild, and it was. It was a magical experience. You know, we, we you play a game, you have a really good experience with it. And then, you know, I didn't realize, holy shit, 2017, that was like almost six years ago now. It like, Breath of the Wild in my memory feels like something that happened a couple of years ago. But it's been a while now. And it's been, it's been quite some time. And it, and it took me back to 2017 when I started playing it. Just all the feelings, all the uh, and and like where I was in my life then, and how remembering what it felt like to like go up on the cliff for the first time, to chop a tree and push a rock down a hill and see it like crash into a bunch of guys and realize that this world had a, like a lot to do in it. Like yeah, it, it took me all the way back to there, and I was like yeah, wow. You forget that some games are more than more than just a game, more than just a good video game. Some things are like really special. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one's an achievement, man. It has a lot of uh, a lot of really incredible stuff in it. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to get all the way through it, but it was definitely like a healing kind of like a spa for me as I'm sort of in a a wasteland of not knowing what to play next. Yeah, it's for sure a nice thing to to encounter. Um, Speaking of Midnight Suns, I've had a fun time with a game that came out recently called Path of the Midnight Sun. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) I love that. I love that for them. An updated uh, like sort of it started out as a uh, like a ROM hack for uh, Fire Emblem Mm. and then got made into its own little game. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's fun. It's it's a it's a fun, weird little not quite tactics JRPG thing where sort of. You're mo- like you're doing sort of like group team fights, like classic like turn based group team fight things. Um, but every sort of area you're in, like it takes time to go from like space to space and whatever. And so you have a certain amount of time that you need to get through things in, and you have to like do manage your time that that way. Like, and like real guys, time? Uh, no, just like each movement like has like a time value or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and then like bad guys move around the map as well. And so like if you plan wrong, like multiple bad guy groups like meet up and become a super group, and then like oh. be a real fucking problem. Damn. So stuff like that can happen, and it's pretty fun. And then it has like some fun little like visual novel elements where like you walk around a town and you talk to your little friends and you like you meet a dog, stuff like that. Um. It's been super fun. Uh, it's a really lightweight little Steam Deck game. I mean, it's obviously it's on other platforms too. Right. Um, Where do you hear about these games? Like, do you just what's your main discovery method? Um, I do a couple of things. I get most of my. I don't like Google News, so I've made my Google News settings mostly just be about indie RPGs. That's like the only thing I like. Think scrubbing the internet for is useful for. So if I see one that pops up there that I think looks interesting, I'll read about it. And if it the article is, you know, significant, you know, su- sufficiently persuasive, I'll do some Googling, mm-hmm. poke around at reviews, maybe watch like a couple clips. Um, and if persuaded and uh, financially solvent, I uh, I will grab them. Wow. What a what a what a beautiful process. And it is a process. Yeah. I got a system in place, man. I just yeah, I guess I I just would feel overwhelmed buying as many indie games as you do because you're not beating these games. I beat a lot of them. Wow. Um, a lot of them that long. What are your main? How many? How many hours you put? In, you put? I guess if they're all like, are you? Are you a night gamer? Are you like up late at night? Or are you just doing throughout the day? A little bit of both. It just depends on the day. Um, if I play video games like midday, I'm like not getting anything done after. So I usually have to keep it as like my. Yeah, I'm pretty well. I'm like, it's it depends. It's sort of this thing of like, how when I start playing video games contingent on how much I need to get done after the point when I start playing video games. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like if I know that after four o'clock I have a fairly lightweight day, I'll start gaming at four because I can dip out for thirty minutes from the game and like take care of a couple things or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I have a really busy day or have to do a lot of stuff. I do need to like stay focused so that I just don't play video games like after dinner or whatever. Sure. Um, and that's, and folks, that was that. 
that was we've we figured out how he picks his games and when he plays. Hey, you know, we had, we never talked about it before. Um, never, in all these years, we never talked about it before. Uh, the other thing that I've been playing with that is fun. Um, so I for, I didn't realize that this was the month where both new the new Persona three and four ports and and Harry Potter. Well, Harry Potter is not coming out for several weeks. February tenth. Holy shit! It feels like it's been. It's February 10th, and it feels like it's already come out based on how much fucking discourse there is about this. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> let me, I need to double check that because we have a, we were going to do a video about it for work. We have, we have the dates wrong because I pulled them off of a. I thought it was Feb 10th. That was Feb 20. Oh, it is Feb 10th. Shit. Okay, I got to talk to everyone at work today. Well, I got to talk to everyone. Uh, folks, I just, I just saved everyone's jobs because if that had gone wrong, it would have been the chopping block for Lux and everyone. Would have been a bit of a problem um, if you didn't if you didn't get Harry Potter video out. But, I, I that that that'll be interesting. I, I my main hope for the Harry Potter game is um that it's uh broken. I guess, but it'll be so funny if it's a Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. That would be the funniest possible outcome for sure. Um, so here's the thing, um, with with that uh or sorry with the other game we're playing is that the or what the month it was. It's not Harry Potter month. It's, it's Persona 3 and 4 and also Fire Emblem Engage. Okay. All I'll of put which, the switch. Yeah, all of which came out this month. Um, I decided the of the the one I'm gonna do first. I, I already did Persona 4. Didn't knock out Persona 3 before Fire Emblem Engage. Although I've watched oh. my roommate Jay play Fire Emblem Engage and it looks by knockout, he means play 120 hours of Persona 3. Yeah. That's not so bad. <laughs> Just knock it out. You can grind that out. But um knock it the fuck out. Yeah, but you're saying Fire Emblem Engage looks good. I basically hear that Fire Emblem Engage is just back to classic strategy without all the bullshit relationships. Exactly. That's I was watching Jay and I was like, oh man, this looks like old Fire Emblem. Like you got your permadeath. Is it harder? Because the because uh, yeah, the last one was too easy. That's what he was saying is that you still have the rewind function if you want it. Um, but there's permadeath and that it's a lot more strategic and a lot more a lot pushes you a lot more on the tactic side. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, which is what, I, which is what I, we're all looking for in a relationship. Yeah, and in in these games, like I just like permadeath tactics. Yeah, I just get so like final three houses was good, but the problem is that like as long as you understood the weapon matchups and didn't do anything stupid, like the fights were just sort of like, all right, here we go. I'm just gonna kill because you'd like you'd be like, oh, if I go into the forest, they have a fifty percent less chance to hit me. Uh, they all have spears and I have a sword, so I can just tank them. So I'll just stand here and let them all run into me and die, and then this fight's over. I just don't remember anything about the last Fire Emblem story other than it really went off the rails. I just... Yeah, it goes in some very weird direct. Well, it's this weird thing where, like, they have this interesting story thing where the world fractures into these different paths that you can follow, and each one is, like, interesting and distinct from each other in a lot of ways. But... There's there's always a but. But like they converge into this weird dark fantasy twist that is like so distinct from the things that are cool about the story that at the end it's sort of like, well, like, all right, I guess this is what the game is. Like, okay, yeah. sure. Okay, sure. Uh, and that's not a good way to feel about the game you're doing on. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I uh well, that's interesting. I don't know what is, what's the what's the thing that's really going to send us home today. What's gonna how are we going to send all the people home? You know, if you, if we didn't lull and everyone to sleep at this point of the show, I think we've had a pretty good energy how do, so far. How do we get it? How do we how do we cross the threshold here? I don't know what's our out. Avatar, uh, Oscar. There we go. Man, um, I saw a tweet that made me so mad today. Speaking of that, let's do it. Let's talk. Someone was like. Guess which movie with blue underwater people got more Oscar nominations? Hashtag Black Panther Wakanda forever. That just why did they copy Avatar? That's the question you should be asking, ma'am or sir. Yeah, and like it's it's this funny. Marvel fans are so funny. Because I saw the trailer for the Black Panther thing, and I was like, well, that looks like a lot of Avatar shots. We got the metal and the water and the blue people. Yeah, absolutely. And and it does share a lot of DNA with that. The but Marvel fans are so funny. This is why this tweet like pissed me off, but also, um, I thought you, like, you you destroyed your drywall over this tweet. Yeah, put a big old fucking hole in that thing. Um, but the it, it's that 
like Marvel people like recently until the Marvel started getting nominated for like tech Oscars, Marvel people were like, the Oscars don't even know what movies are. They're so dumb. They couldn't recognize a good movie if it punched them in the face because they've never given Iron Man 50 Oscars. And now that the Oscars are like, now they're like, look, we can decide what's the better movie. It's the one with more Oscar nominations. So obviously it's Wakanda forever. And it's like 20 minutes ago, you thought these were bullshit. Like it's just this like shifting, like they're seeking approval. They like, they'll absolutely rail against any institution that doesn't approve of their bullshit. And then as soon as they do approve of it, they're like, never mind. This is the best thing in the world. It totally makes sense. Listen, they're the last of a dying breed. They're dead men walking, you know, and they're, they're, they're ghosts at this point. I wish that were true, but like <laughs> empire crumbles even a little bit. I don't think you can really say that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really, I'm looking long-term here. I know. Cause I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at everything through an immortals lens. I mean, look, if that's space and time. happening, then yeah. that's great. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that there's, so I, I did see someone to also reference a tweet. I did see someone like quote the Kevin Feige saying that like the next phase of Marvel is going to be just as successful and grow even bigger because we have all these great ideas. Uh, and then someone did like the Simpsons meme of disco stew pointing at like a chart of disco going up, up, up over the seventies and just <laughs> like exponential growth. <laughs> so I don't know. I think um, I don't. Know. This has got. This has got to end somewhere. Maybe it just ends with there just being like less of these movies. But I, I'm I not sure. Like that's hopefully. I mean, the 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 problem with Marvel movies, right? Isn't Marvel movies qua Marvel movies? Like it's fine if they exist, and some of them are even good. It's that they like crowd out so much other production and other screen space, and like so much of what movies are are Marvel movies, and that's the first thing. So if they trimmed it down, there was fewer per year, and there was just less stuff. The great thing is, is we're seeing awesome, awesome box office returns for non-Marvel stuff. Megan, uh, Plane, uh, there was another one that was non-Marvel. But like the uh, things that weren't Marvel related have been doing well. There is a hunger to get back to the back to the movies. Oh, oh Puss in Boots. Puss in oh, Boots was so good. Dude, oh my God. This is how it is. I, we should have talked about it all episode. I saw Puss in Boots and it was so fucking good. Dude, it's Holy shit. such a good movie. I fucking like. It takes the whole like baby's first like treasure hunt movie concept and just like absolutely aces on all fronts. It was treasure hunt mixed with like a re- like a retirement coming back out of retirement kind yeah. of flick. It was it was so funny. It was so well animated and it was like hitting every like character arc with like precision. Like yeah. characters were having fully fleshed realized and earned arcs in like two lines of dialogue exchange like it was a master class in screenwriting it was an yeah, it was an incredibly well-written movie especially when you compare it again to like i mean sorry to kick the toggles down but like marvel movies where the arc will sort of be the beginning of the movie someone will be like my thing is that I think too much about my daughter and not enough about the world. And then, <laughs> and then like, concept of the movie, they're like, mm, there's a lot of world, but I only got my daughter. And then the end, they're like, wow, maybe I should think more about the world. It's like, it took you a whole fucking movie. Whereas, like, Puss in Boots, we get, like, he learns about his own mortality. He, like, comes to terms with the fact that he's not special, like, realizes that actually maybe there is something about him, goes out into the world to prove that to himself starts to prove that to himself but realizes that the thing that he thinks is special about him actually maybe isn't so good changes the thing that it is like relearns to focus on the things that matter to him once he realizes that he has something worth fighting for and gets his spunk back and then like and like it's like he has like an arc that has like so many beats to it that are differentiated and are a little micro learning experiences and all of them like we learn about them through dramatized scenes and it definitely reminded me of uh, of like the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie in the fact that there was all these like well-written different groups of ensembles that were after something um, and sort of like giving them all their earned due and having arcs for all of them. Yeah, right, that's just, like a classic like 70s style like treasure hunt movie is that like you've got this thing that everyone wants. and You've got a couple weird gangs who are all going after mm-hmm. it and all have their own little vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. And it was like. Puss had his own Puss had like multiple of his own stories happening underneath all of that like with yeah. the wolf with um Kitty Softpaws and outside the storytelling I would just think like 
it was it was a spectacle. It was a reason to go to the theater. Like the action set pieces had my jaw drops. Like I was like, this is this is some of the best shit I've seen in a long time. So it was yeah, funny because Avatar and you know, far be it for me to generally besmirch the work of James Cameron, but like Jim's. Yeah, I know. I've set that up. I couldn't decide what to do. I like Jim's. Um, uh, um, my, my friends call me Jimes. <laughs> Jim or Jime, short for Jim's. Um, but uh, he, like, in Avatar, they do the, the speed ramping 48 frame stuff. Like, they kick the frame rate up to, like, accentuate, um, like, action or like, transition into action and stuff. Uh, and this kicked the frame rate down for like these weird, like almost and like almost like nineties anime paced action animations that looked fucking awesome. Yeah, well, they're copying this the Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, the Spider Verse does that yeah. thing too. Yeah, it's kind um, of it is it is a rip off, but it's uh, it, it worked. They did it well. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, it's a rip off in that it's pulling some design elements, but like. Enough that it sort of just feels like this is a style of animation that is cool and you can do in the way yeah, that yeah. like, you know, Looney Tunes, the Looney Tunes look or the Pixar look or whatever, or like even Illumination. Totally, totally. Um, totally. And it was just so cool to see a movie that like, and and like, obviously like it's so many people I know were like, oh, I don't want to see a Shrek movie or whatever. But the thing about it that's so cool is like, it doesn't lean on that at all. Like it takes that premise, like that world, but it doesn't lean on the Shrek of it all. Like they're not constantly like, I wonder what that Oog is up to. No, like, they like, yeah, they're, there's only like a post credits vibe moment, which yeah. uh, I would have, I would have accentuated and extended even longer. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to see Shrek be like, I, it should have been like, uh, like you just see the, I, I was, I saw it with my girlfriend and I was pitching her my ending where we like, yeah, we hear like footsteps and you see just the back of his head. Uh, and he says, get in my swamp. Yeah, exactly. Get into my, <laughs> in my swamp being the big city that I live in now. Swamp City. Drain the swamp. I was listening to, yeah, he's a congressman and it's a big zoom out. Um, I think uh what what's it called? Uh it, it just it did it had the quality of the original Shrek where yeah. and Shrek if, too, I think if where yeah, where it felt very fresh, it felt stunning visually, and it felt earnest and emotional um yeah the the key with the shrek stuff and i think also with with this is to those fairy tales all have lessons attached to them like obviously that's what they're for they're 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 teaching devices um and i think to me that the the key with the shrek stuff is to take those lessons that are built into those characters and maintain but subvert them so like the goal like taking the goldilocks story making them all criminals but then making it a story about finding family um through the criminals is great because you get you get to look at them in like this new weird light um but then also get back to sort of the core essence of the characters or like jack horner being a greedy little boy <laughs> like that's the core essence of that character but it gets hidden behind this like nasty crime boss with this weird crazy backstory um, yeah i just think that's so smart it so works and it feels like it feels natural and interesting. And Shrek was like that. And Shrek two was like that. And I think that this is a, like they, they, it's a really good job of a good example. How you can take a pre-established idea of what a thing is and, and maintain some element of it while still inverting it in a way that it keeps audiences engaged. Yeah. And uh, you know, there also was Shrek the third and yes, there was a hidden Shrek four movie. Shrek yeah. forever after Shrek forever after it does exist. Um, and uh, yeah, there are Shrek, there's Shrek babies out there. Anyways, folks, that's going to do it for this episode. I have to leave. I have to, I've been pretending to work. Yeah. I also have to do that. Um, goodbye everyone. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you guys soon. Soon. Peace. <laughs>